Coming up on today's show, I am living my very best life because we are talking about zombies in Resident Evil 4 Remake and Andrea has played Dead Island 2 and oh my god, can we just get the show going? Everybody, <laughs> that's gonna be such a good one. <laughs> we were like, do we just call it the zombie spectacular, the zomba palooza? Ooh, zomba palooza. I like that. It makes me excited. I feel like I'm going to a festival of zombies when you say it that way. Oh, I mean, this show is gonna be a festival of zombies. Welcome to the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Andrea Renee, joined as always by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello, it's me also. There's a bunch of people that, let's plug us aren't zombies, let's plug us aren't zombies. Calm down. It's for the spirit of fun, you nerds. Hi, Andrea. Hi. Rihanna is off this week, and in Dead Island, they actually are zombies. So See? we can just get that out of the way. But we'll talk about those games in just a minute. We're oh. glad that you guys are here, whether it's your first episode of What's Good Games or your 318th episode. Hey. We are happy that you have downloaded or you're streaming or watching the show or listening, however you choose to consume the show every week. Thank you to everybody who supports our show week after week at patreon.com slash what's good games. Like our Patreon producer. Chewy's Godson, Alex Fergopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. We are excited to see a bunch of you, not just the producers, but patrons in general <laughs> and fans of the show this weekend. Nah, just kidding. It's next weekend. PAX East, everybody. I got you, didn't I? You fell for it for a second, maybe. No, just me. I don't know what day it is. It's fine. It's okay. It's fine. Weeks are hard and complicated. But yes, we will be at PAX East, and it will be glorious. So Friday, March 24th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, we have a panel. Andrea, where is that panel? That panel is in the Bumblebee Theater. Okay. Oh, I don't In like the these. Boston Convention Center. If you're going to be in Boston at PAX East on Friday night... Come on down to the Bumblebee. It's going to be great. It's going to go off the rails. I have a feeling because it's late. I feel like we can get away with stuff. We've never had a panel this late in the evening no. before. No, we haven't. That's why I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be lovely. And then we're having a meetup the next day, Saturday, March 25th from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern at Versus. Now, Andrea knows all about Versus because she picked out the place. So tell us yeah, about so it. Yeah, so this is a relatively new venue in Boston, and it's a barcade, essentially. And Ooh. they've got all kinds of cabinets to play and, you know, fun beverages to be had, things to eat and drink, that kind of thing. So hopefully we will see you all there. Exact details will be going up on our social media channel. So hopefully you will check those out also on our Patreon page. But yeah, so panel Friday, meetup Saturday. Uh -huh. And hopefully um, we'll see everybody there. Should be a really fun time. And we have a special bonus for patrons at the meetup. So please be sure to check patreon.com slash what's good games. And welcome to our new Patreon community, Joe Armandaras? Armandaras? Crush and it. David A. Just David A? David A. David A. Not like E-H, eh? but A. Like the letter A, friends. Thank you, David A. We love you. Also, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. I am fucked up with a head cold. So You are where I was at last week. Oh, man. But it's going to be glorious because I get to talk about Resident Evil. What could go wrong? Also, I got to give a shout out to our new podcast reviewers, Dead Again Zach, Wasim, P-Buck25, and Grizzleman. I imagine Grizzleman is someone who lives in the woods in Red Dead Redemption 2 and fights bears with his or hers bare hands. That's my 
assumption. That's that the sounds like a very accurate take. That's the this cannon. is the new narrative, Grizzle Man. Just live your life this way and everything will be great. Today's show is also brought to you by HelloFresh, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. Normally, this is where we would jump right into the news, but going to be honest with you, everybody, it is an egregiously light news week. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the Game Developers Conference and PAX East are both next week. What we decided to do with this week's episode is because we had these two big pieces of hands-on coverage. We're like, what if we just talk about the zombies in this episode and we skip the news this week? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to skip the news. Just skip it. And we're going to start it. with skip Resident it. Evil 4. <laughs> <laughs> bam, bam, bam. <laughs> Brittany, I'm going to be real. <clears throat> I did not realize this game was coming out this quickly. I was like, for some reason, I thought it was like going to be at the end of April or something. And here we are. It's like the game's here. It's here. I don't It's I don't know where these past few months have went. So the game, yeah, releases March 24th. So this embargo is coming a nice fat week ahead of time. But, you know, as we've talked about more often than not, that indicates that a publisher is particularly proud and uh, has high expectations of their game. And boy, oh boy, Andrea, I don't even know where to start with this game. So, first of all, thank you, Capcom, for the review code. This game originally released January 11th, 2005 for the GameCube. 2005, I was a junior in high school. It's been a hot minute. And then I feel like ever since then, it's released on practically every other platform since then. I think you can even get it on your iPhone, which is like weird. But whatever, that's fine. Yeah, so this review, I'm going to keep it spoiler-free because I don't want to reveal any of the new surprises or talk about too many of the major plot points despite this game being so old because I think this might be the first time certain people like Andrea will play it. And so best to leave this nugget untouched as much as possible. So for those of you who are like, okay, what is Resident Evil 4's story? So it takes place six years after the events of Resident Evil 2, and it follows Leon Kennedy. And for obvious reasons, he is no longer working for the Raccoon City Police Department, and he's been keeping himself busy, and he is now in charge of rescuing the president's daughter, Ashley Graham, and it is rumored that she has been kidnapped and taken to Spain. So off Leon goes to Spain to try to find Ashley, and Resident Evil 4 does what Resident Evil Evil 2 remake did for Resident Evil 2, but even better. And I think that's because if you look at the recent remake history of Capcom and Resident Evil, Resident Evil 2 fucking crushed it. Resident Evil 3, less than stellar reviews, a lot of content was cut, and Capcom took that to heart, and they brought back Division 1. I don't even know if that's official, but that's the rumor, to work on Resident Evil 4. And I'm not sure. Resident Evil 4 Remake might be my favorite Resident Evil game. I, that's, that's a huge. big statement coming from you, Brittany. It's, I'm on the fence. I'm not sure yet because I'm still processing how I feel. So I think how I feel is this, and then I'll talk about the actual game. Resident Evil 4 Remake, I think, is the most well-done Resident Evil game. I think Resident Evil 2 Remake might be my personal favorite because I'm more into like the slow shambler zombies, right? And I love that real like horror aspect of it. I'm on the fence. Either way, this game is like top tier, top Resident Evil games. This remake is everything we've wanted and more, friends. So like, get excited. Pee all over yourselves if you must. It's a good time to be alive. Um, I just hear Andrea laughing in the background. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's the cold. Okay, so let's talk about some of the changes to Resident Evil 4 Remake. So the tone of this game is much more serious than the original Resident Evil 4. And then what I mean by that is the original one had a campy feel to it, right? There was a lot of silly one-liners that Leon would often say, and it was pretty funny. And even the enemies, to some extent, were pretty hilarious. Like Salazar, no one took that little guy seriously. But in this game, like there's some a lot of changes made not a lot of changes
changes. But Leon is much more troubled by what happened in the events of Resident Evil 2 Remake. And you can tell that. It's the way he speaks, the way he carries himself. Don't get me wrong, though. There are a lot of silly little one-liners that he quips out that I just stopped and laughed. I'm like, you are so dumb, and I love you so much. He's such a cheesy little man, and I love him. The game also really leans into horror a lot more, and this isn't any surprise. We've known that it was going to be a little bit more spooky. There are at least three instances I can think of where I legit paused the game and scrolled on TikTok because I was too nervous to proceed. I was like, I need a little Wait, break. Wait, you pause and we're like, I don't want to play because you got scared even though you knew it was coming? You don't know what's coming. And that's kind of one of the beautiful changes is mm, you, okay. I mean, you have an idea, but the instances in the encounters have been completely overhauled. And so there's one instance in particular where you're fighting a certain big bad that everyone knows if you play the original. But the way that this encounter goes down, it is so freaking tense. And again, like Capcom, like masterclass of audio Audio design. Just the way the music kind of is creeping in the background. It's mostly ambient sounds, but there's that little like twinge in the background and you can hear the moaning and groaning of the enemy, right? And you hear things kind of crumbling around you, but it's probably just like a rat knocking something over. And I was like, oh, I know it's going to go down. You know, you're getting lots of ammo. You're getting lots of health items. You're like, God, I don't know if I'm ready for this because it is so tense. So, yeah, like they do a really good job at that. Whereas I feel like in the original, like I never felt super scared. And I don't know if I've made this clear. Resident Evil 4 before this was never my favorite Resident Evil game. It was like one of the lower tiered ones. I never really enjoyed it that much. I could appreciate it for being the iconic game it was. But I miss that horror aspect. I miss the T-virus. And so... For this game to like quickly climb to like top two of my favorite Resident Evil games is pretty freaking impressive. And that is because, again, they kind of overhauled the tone of this game. The characters have also, like I mentioned earlier, much more fleshed out. Whether or not they've been fleshed out enough is up to you. I am one of those people who want to know more about Leon and Ashley and Luis and even the big bads. I want to know where they came from. What were their origins? And there are more dialogue and quips between the characters and they do open up a lot more about their backstory and I always want to see more but I understand that this is not a narrative heavy game it is a survival horror game at its heart and you can't add too much because this timeline has already been established but I think there's also something to be excited about because certain characters play different roles as opposed to the original so where you think one character might pop in and save the day nay nay it could be somebody else and it's a fun little like oh shit you know it's a fun little twist on um, the narrative that we've come to pretty much memorize since 2005. Certain puzzles have been removed entirely and been replaced. And only one of those puzzles to me was incredibly annoying. It was the lever puzzle. And it was one of those puzzles, I don't know, Andrea, if you're familiar, I'm sure you've encountered one of these in your lifetime, where you pull a lever, it opens one door, and then if you pull another mm. one, it opens, it closes a door, and you see something you want to get to, but you got to figure out which lever to pull, and it, it was just like, it unnecessarily felt kind of annoying, but that was the only one that I thought was a pain in the ass. Other than that, I thought all the other ones were fun little additions, and never really encountered any major head scratchers, which was, I don't know how I feel about that, because I, you know what I mean? Well, that's one of the things about playing a game pre-release that can be incredibly challenging is that if you run into a puzzle yeah. that stumps you or you get stuck on, there's no wiki or walkthrough that you can look up to be like, how do I solve this puzzle? <laughs> and it's good to know that it doesn't sound like any of the puzzles are that difficult because people aren't playing Resident Evil to get stumped by a puzzle, right? That's not like the draw to this game. Maybe it's going to be up to each individual person to decide like how much puzzle balance they want. But so you're saying you overall thumbs up? 
on the puzzle design or overall thumbs middle or thumbs down on puzzle design? I think overall thumbs up. You know, the the new puzzles, they're, they're interesting. They're fun. There's nothing in, like I said, that's really going to stump you. And I think what I have to keep reminding myself is that this isn't Resident Evil 2. This is Resident Evil 4. It's a more action-heavy game. And this isn't like the slow, creepy, crawly, like, oh, I see. I need this emblem or I need this or I need that. And that's okay. You know, that's not what that, this game is trying to be. And so this is more of a, it would have been a more personal preference, I think to have more maybe tough puzzles, but that's not what this game is supposed to be. And that's fine. So yeah, like it's cool. There's new things to discover and put your brain to work. So yay. The one other thing I want to talk about too is I think I might've touched on this earlier. The lore in this game, you're going to find some documents, friends. And this has always been like one of my favorite parts about the Resident Evil community is the speculation on what is the origin story of this character or this bad guy or like this enemy. Because, you know, in Resident Evil, everything was once human, and then it all gets experimented on, and then it turns into abominations like flying bugs. It's weird, but it works. If you make the effort to seek out and read the documents in this game, you're going to learn a lot. And I, you know, I know like Resident Evil 4 and OG and Resident Evil 4 Remake, like different canons in that respect, but it is kind of fun to be like, oh, so that's the story behind XYZ, or that's who that was. And they really make the enemies just real dicks, like real dicks. Like I wasn't laughing at Salazar at all in this game. And in the first game, you know, he's pretty silly and there's some really funny interactions between him and Leon. I will say if you want some fun throwbacks, leave your trophy notifications on and there will be some fun little uh, puns and little little quips about the original game that some people I think will really appreciate. So you're saying it's leaning more into darker horror and less like campy B-movie horror. 100%. And I'm really curious to see you who's never, you haven't played the original, have you? RE4? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. no. Okay. But I know that based off having covered video games for as long as I have, that it's one of the contentious Resident Evils in the overall fandom of the franchise that it's very divisive is maybe the word that I want to use. That some people are really big fans of it and other people who love different parts of the franchise are like, Mm-mm, not that one. Yeah, okay, and that's the stance I was in. But what? yeah, also when you play this, because there are some fun little nods and throwbacks to the campiness, you know, you might be in a super serious moment and then Leon says something like really stupid, but in a good way, like a good, funny, stupid. I'm wondering if it's going to feel super out of place or if it's going to feel like a fun little addition, but I will huh. pick your brain yeah, after no, you I'll play have it. To let, I'll let you know, yeah. but I guess that is a unique position to be in as somebody who played the original to know like this is like a funny callback and if it's going to play yeah. you know, to people like me who don't know what it's calling back to. Exactly. It's like, am I going to get it because I don't know the inside joke of it? Exactly. You nailed mm. it. We'll see. I will take your brand and I will pick at it. But one of the other things that I just truly love about Resident Evil 4 is just the progression. And, you know, you might think Resident Evil, like progression, what? Well, friends, there's been some in every game, I think most every game. But this one, there's a few things you can do. So you find, as you are familiar with Andrea, herbs. You have green herbs, red herbs, and yellow herbs. Scattered throughout the game, you're going to find yellow herbs. And if you take those and you combine them with a green herb, it raises your maximum health. That's the thing I would recommend you do. Some people might not want to because they want to be punished and that's what they're into. So that's always it's always fun to, to search those nooks and crannies because you never know what you're going to find. But generally, the game is really good about rewarding you if you go off the beaten path. You know, there's not any huge like deviating areas to go to. There's maybe a couple like semi big ones. But anyway, you're going to be rewarded either way. So it makes it super worth it. And then you have the merchant. 
I love this fucker. I love him so much. He's so weird, and I don't know his origin story at all, but it doesn't matter. There's some theories out there. So he's the guy, and he's like, hello, stranger. What are you buying? What are you selling? He has, like, the cape, and he has the, the bandana over his face. The progression is so much fun in this game, and so what you can do is there are, I mean, at least a dozen weapons in this game and some new ones, and you can upgrade your weapon. So you can upgrade the power, the firing speed, the reload speed. What else is it? Ammo capacity. That's what it is. And then after you max upgrade a weapon, you can unlock something special maybe it's like the for the knife for example you can swing like one and a half times faster so, so it's very much like the upgrade path that you could take in village with the duke with the duke you got the duke man but there's something about the merchant that is just like so so satisfying and it's just so much fun to go back to him you see his glowing flames and you're like hello sir i'm gonna sell you some shit but then also when you're playing you uh find treasure right and um you can buy treasure maps from the merchant and then your map will be littered with these little jewel icons and that's where you know that there's treasure maybe it's in a treasure chest maybe it's hanging from a tree somewhere you shoot it down you sell it but then as you're playing you're also collecting gemstones and these can be put inside of the treasure you're collecting to enhance it and sell it for even more money and as you play the merchant gets new weapons in and then you have this dance of like okay do I want to sell this weapon for that weapon because you get your money back most everything you put into it you get it back if you sell it and so maybe the merchant gets a cool new weapon in and you're like oh I really want that handgun so I guess that means I have to sell this handgun and then immediately upgrade it there's just a lot of options and it is just an absolute blast to backtrack if you need to because I feel like there's always something to find it is just so much fun to play and just everything about this game has been absolutely enhanced you know you have the main village area you have the castle area you have the island and as you're playing you know not only are the locations just so much more expanded it doesn't feel like you're just on a linear path from point a to point b it all feels interconnected all feels very immersive you have side quests now too and this could be something as silly as find me a golden egg okay because there's chickens randomly around and sometimes they'll lay eggs if they get scared you find a golden one you trade it in um, maybe you have to find a really scary big bad wolf a colmillo and if you defeat that you get a reward called the spinel and you can trade these in for items you can only obtain by trading the spinels in they're these little jewels and you know, maybe you can get better stock for your weapon that will upgrade it maybe you can get herbs yeah like it's so amazing that we just live in a time where we can get these games made better than the original and of course you're gonna have your purists you're gonna be like oh my god the Resident Evil 4 Resident Evil 4 had its problems like it's just nowhere near a perfect game I understand like nostalgia is a beautiful thing and I'm sure maybe in 10 years we'll look back on the remake and be like this isn't a perfect game but this is how you remake a game masterfully you expand upon what you already have you know the problem with Resident Evil 2 remake is that it was the Raccoon City Police Department right it was corridor for corridor for corridor of course there was Orphanage which was new but it was pretty much a one-to-one remake this is feels like it's been much more elaborated and and like I said expanded and it is just an absolute blast to be in this game I am dreaming about this game I am thinking about this game all the time I mean I just finished it but I can't wait to like hop back into it and play it again and I never do that, but this, there's just something about this one that I am just like itching to hop back in there. I want to take Jason through it. I want to take you through it. I'm like, please experience this game. It is just so well done. And I'm really excited to see what our friends in the industry have to say about it, too. I'm just so excited about it. This is such high praise. And I think that it's great news for Resident Evil as a franchise. Village clearly did very well. But the fact that these remakes are also doing really well is awesome. It's rare that a franchise can reinvigorate itself the way that Resident Evil have. And that's definitely a testament to the work from the team at Capcom and all of the decisions that they're making. 
So what's next, do you think? Like, as a big fan of the franchise, do you want them to remake all of them? It's got to end at some point, right? No. <laughs> You're like, no, do over all the uh, things. I mean, it depends on who you ask. Like, so, get ready, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so they've <laughs> technically remade the very first Resident Evil back in the day, right? We call it remake, but it's been, what, well, I don't know how many years, that whenever. It was on GameCube. So, like, it's been a minute since that game was touched. I personally would love a remake of the first Resident Evil game. Like, why not with this RE engine, with this over-the-shoulder the view? Like, it would be so amazing. I don't know if they'll touch it. So, we've got Resident Evil 1 remake, 2, we've gotten 3, and now here's 4. What we're fucking missing is Code Veronica, which takes place three months after Resident Evil 2, three to four months, and it follows Claire. Remember Claire from Resident Evil 2? Of course you do. Of uh, course. Yeah, and that I love Code Veronica. Code Veronica was one of the first Resident Evil games that I got into when I was of an inappropriate age and not eight, nine years old, and I loved it, and I was like, I remember how much I love these games, and I went back and played it. I would love to see a Code Veronica remake. I think that game absolutely needs to be remade. It is a little dated, and it shows its age, and just some of the characters just need to be a little bit overhauled. So I think they remake Code Veronica. And then it gets kind of tricky when you start talking about Resident Evil 5 and Resident Evil 6. I don't know where you go with that. I don't even don't want to even think about that. That hurts my brain too much. So I'm just going to focus on I would love a remake of the first Resident Evil and I would love a remake of Code Veronica. Code Veronica is the priority. But I think this is the way they go because if you look at the remakes like Resident Evil 2 remake, Resident Evil 3, and now you have Resident Evil 4, the remakes all for the most part follow the same narrative and the same path. But there's some deviations going on, and I think that is a good thing. And I think, you know, if you just follow the canon of the remakes, which is, again, very similar to the original, don't get mad at me, I think it really opens up the pathway to more remakes. So I think they continue down this remake path, and I think they continue to make new games. She wants her cake and eat it too, everybody. Oh, fuck yeah, I do. God, of course. <laughs> I'm no fool. <laughs> no, it Listen, is so if they good. Keep, if they all keep doing well, like, why not? Because like, I know, like, RE3 remake didn't blow your skirt up the way RE2 did. Right. But it wasn't a bad game by any means. Not so. a bad game, but definitely didn't live up to the potential of RE4 remake. Or what, like, RE4 remake did in RE2. And that's what I, I just have to give praise again to Capcom. Like, of course, like, they didn't do And it was a different team it's a whole can of worms but they listen to feedback and clearly the end result is just like chef's kiss and uh, no i'm so excited for you to play it ah i want to hear everything anyway yeah uh it's worth the wait it's worth the wait and this is how you remake a game and just like it is just so 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 good we're gonna have to wait a little bit for me to get to it unfortunately because it's a very busy time right now lots going on and it's not a short game i should just like mention that i think i oh cool i'm glad to hear it (laughs) i think i clocked dinner on 30-ish hours? That's that's hefty. Yeah, I mean, the 4 isn't a short game either. You can speed run it, no damage. I mean, speed run it, whatever. But a no damage run maybe is like six hours. But again, I milked the shit out of this thing. Like, I took my sweet time. I oogled all the toilet paper. I, you know, tried every nook and cranny, everything. Like, I really milked it. So there is a lot of game here. Yeah. And then it's coming to VR eventually. Oh. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun thing for somebody. Like you. <laughs> uh, you know, I might I might dabble. Um, but I have been playing a different zombie game, which I'll talk about in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. 
We talk about HelloFresh on the show all the time, just savoring the little charcuterie board that I got with the midnight moon cheese that's so delicious and the prosciutto and the bread. I'm hungry just thinking about it. But did you guys know that March is National Nutrition Month and HelloFresh makes it easy to choose delicious, dietitian-approved meals. Simply look for the dietitian win tag on the menu choices for meals under 700 calories and with one-third less sodium. HelloFresh also has 40 weekly recipes to choose from for meals for all occasions, lifestyles, and preferences. Take your pick from meals like the soy glazed salmon with rice or the mushrooms and chive risotto. I did another round of the onion crunch chicken with sweet potatoes. Mm. One of my favorite meals. So good. And of course, powering up with protein is easier than ever with HelloFresh. Just check for that protein smart tag on the menu to quickly find recipes featuring 30 grams of protein or more, like the one pot pork and black bean chili or even one of my faves, the creamy Dijon dill chicken. Mmm. You guys, we love HelloFresh here at What's Good Games. And if you've been thinking maybe now is the time to dip my toe into the meal kit waters, HelloFresh is the place to do it. And you can try it for yourself at HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 60 and use our code What's Good 60 for 60% off plus free shipping. Try America's number one meal kit for yourself by going to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 60 and use our What's Good Games code What's Good 60 for for 60% off plus free shipping. Welcome back, everybody. Continuing on with our all games all the time. Zombies, zombies, zombies episode. You may have seen I put out a mini tiny little video preview on TikTok and Instagram earlier this week for Dead Island 2. And you know, I even busted out my physical notebook and wrote down notes while I was playing Hell this yeah, time around, which did. I haven't done in a hot minute. So thank you to the team at Deep Silver for providing me with access to the preview build. I played on PC Ooh. on the Epic Game Store. That's right. I, I did bust up my controller and hook it up and play with controller uh, on PC. But <laughs> I was very intrigued to check this game out because I've been following the development of this game since 2014. Yeah which is wild to think that it's been in development for that long and it's changed development studios and now it's getting close to launch. So Dan Buster Studios is the team that has been making Dead Island 2 and the game is set to release on April 21st next month. And Brittany, I am excited to report that I had a blast at the game hey. and it looks real good. Aww. It looks real good. Like graphically uh- it looks good? Yes. Okay. 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 Yes. Okay. Okay. Because one of the things that I was prepared and I had set my expectation for was for the game to kind of look a little aged. Yeah. To look a little last gen, if you know what I'm saying. Because I was like, hey, if they started building this game however many years ago, it's going to look like it was for, you know, potentially for PS4 and Xbox One and maybe even for PS3 and Xbox 360. Who knows? But it's clear that the team at Dambuster put a lot of love into the game and either rebuilt assets that they got from the original build or really uprised what they had. So the game, for everyone who's not familiar, is a action-adventure, dare I say open world, but I'm going to use air quotes here for it because it's not fully open world, which I'll talk about in just a second. 
zombie slaying action game, essentially. I mean, there <laughs> is a role playing element to it, but the RPG aspects are pretty light compared to the combat. This is a combat focused game. You know, you're killing zombies and they are zombies. They're literally called walkers, runners. I was like, thank you. What a Love breath it. of fresh air that someone for once, Brittany, is like, you know what? We're just going to call them what they are. <laughs> Let's not come up with some weird, they're not freakers or clickers or. Infected. You know, they're not some weird name and that's fine like everyone has their lore and their narratives and that's good for them but I was like gosh how refreshing that a game about zombies is literally just like they're just like yeah they're they're zombies that's it <laughs> I feel like they, they own that right though you know because the first set island and then even Riptide came out a long time ago back when zombies were the hot shit so it's like yes. you lean into that yes and they do and they they absolutely lean into the irreverent nature. And that's the word I keep going back to because I don't want to call it campy. This doesn't feel like Dead Rising. Ugh. But like that game is a perfect example of like a wild over the top campy zombie game. Yeah. Right? Like things are just wacky in that game. And I think they have been they could maybe they were verging on wacky previously in Dead Island, but Dead Island 2 is not a serious zombie game. There are some serious narrative moments, but it's irreverent and fun and there's a lot of great humor and it's not taking itself too seriously, but it doesn't feel like watered down for those choices. And that's what I really liked about it. So let me talk a little bit about the game. So it's set in Los Angeles or L.A. as they call it, <laughs> like L.A., get it? Uh, and you pick one of six slayers to choose from. So you have Bruno, Carla, Danny, Jacob, Amy and Ryan. They each have varying you know, skill stats as to what their buffs and things are going to be in the world. I went with Amy, who is uh, an amputee who is going to be competing in the Paralympics and then the zombie outbreak happened and it's comical to me in the opening hours of the game that she's like I just have to make it to the Paralympics next week and I'm like girl um, maybe you don't understand that they're probably not happening anymore so you should have that talk with yourself um, okay at least she's probably but in great shape Yes. You know. So that was why I picked her because she has max agility stats. See? Yeah. And I was like, I need to run away <laughs> from all the things. <laughs> Give me all the agility because there's nothing worse than being overwhelmed by a horde and then having no stamina left because the character you have just hits really hard. And I'm like, that will be fun once I learn the combat more. But in the beginning, I was like all cool. agility all the time. But I really liked the character design of these different slayers. They all kind of feel unique and have a very unique perspective and a point of view, which is really fun. And so the opening kind of cutscene for the game, you know, you're over Los Angeles and, you know, you're on this airplane and the plane goes down and, and it's about like, you know, you trying to kind of figure out like where you're going and how you're going to survive. And you run into this movie star and her assistant and she essentially invites you back to her house and you kind of are there with a bunch of other survivors and it kind of kicks off the campaign of, all right, now you have to kind of figure out like what's your next play? How are you going to escape Los Angeles essentially? And what I really like about what they did with the level design this time around was they're like, listen, we're not going to make a Los Angeles sandbox that you can just explore. From a gameplay development perspective, that would be a massive undertaking 
trying to make an urban area that dense with all of those different types of buildings. Instead, they're like, hey, why don't we make these instances that are explorable, but it's much more linear. So you can go into various houses and things like that, but it's a much smaller zone. And then there is a like a pretty significant loading period between each zone. And I actually am very okay with that. Okay. And the reason I'm okay with it is because I don't think every single game needs to be a sandbox. Not every game needs to be these giant, sprawling, open-world things. Any developer who works on those type of games will tell you, when you do that, you have to sacrifice a lot of other things in the process because the engine can only do so much. I mean, I'm not going to use any specific examples, but I'm thinking of some open world games that came out not that long ago that clearly, you know, were lacking some things because they tried to do too much and game engines can only do so much, right? So I actually think it was a very smart choice by Dan Buster to say, let's not make this a sandbox. Let's instead make it these instances that you can explore and go into all these nook and crannies of these houses and really rely much more on environmental storytelling. Okay, so that sounds good. I think where I was confused is I thought you were saying you didn't mind the fact that there were loading screens. Oh, I mean, I actually didn't mind that either. But like, to be clear, the loading screens are, like you essentially walk up to a gate and it's like, Uh oh, you're going to enter Beverly Hills or whatever. And it's like, you know, do you want to progress into Beverly Hills? Because then it's like, oh, did you do all the stuff that you wanted to do like in Bel Air? you know, before you move on to the next zone. And you can go back and forth between some of the zones, but I think what the game was trying to indicate was that, hey, there might be some things story-wise that if you progress into, that it might lock you out of other things that you could be exploring or doing in specific zones. Okay, 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 gotcha. It's not like there's, it's not like Skyrim loading screens over here where every (laughs) house you walk in and out of, there's like... Oh, God. No, no. To be clear, that's that's not it. And I'm glad they did that because the artwork and the production design in these individual zones is striking. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I live in Los Angeles and I've been in a lot of these neighborhoods and so I know what they look like. But so many of them are great recreations of these places. So this first house that we're in in Bel Air is this movie star's house. And I spent an almost embarrassing amount of time just walking around looking at the decor and being like, (laughs) I want that walk-in closet. I love what she did with her plants and her chair over here. I was just like, even out on the balconies, like with the palm trees and overlooking the Hollywood Hills, I was like, they just nailed the aesthetic, like that Hollywood like mid-century modern aesthetic. I was like, how did they like design the house that I want to live in IRL though? <laughs> like that's that's a weird thing. I love you. I think you have a future as a game designer when it comes to <laughs> interior decorating. <laughs> Maybe a consultant and somebody else has to actually code the stuff, okay? I'm not good at modeling or any, any of the actual skills you need to make those kind of choices. Um, but I just loved that it felt really like there was an attention to detail. Like there's an opening scene in a, like a back lot of a sound stage where they're clearly taping like a television show or something and there's this one this one zombie who was clearly like the sound guy because he's holding the boom mic you know with the fuzzy tip on the end of it he's got his headphones on his cans with along with like the strap with like the sound pack and he's like running at you as he's holding his boom mic I'm like this is like so good I love it And so many of those tiny details really resonate with the setting. And because I I remember when they announced that it was going to be in Los Angeles, I was like, but L.A. is not an island and you're calling yourself Dead Island, too. Oh, but this is not an island. Are we going to talk about that? 
at all. <laughs> it's like <laughs> not really, but it doesn't really matter because it's it's a, it's a fun zombie game. So let's talk about gameplay. Some of my notes here about gameplay. So you are going to build out your abilities for your slayer with a skill deck. So this isn't a tree. It's like building a deck of cards, essentially. Not quite like full deck builder, but there's four different tiers that you can kind of slot cards into. Abilities, Survivor, Slayer, and Newman. And your Slayer comes with a specific Survivor card exclusive to them at the start of the game. That's kind of like one of their hallmark abilities. And then as you go throughout the world, you know, you'll pick up random cards and then you can kind of hot swap them as you play, which is nice. So it's not like you're specking points into a skill tree and then you have to respect the entire tree and fill the whole thing out again. You can just swap out one individual card in one of the tiers and change up how you're using different abilities for your Slayer, which I like because it means that you can experiment with different cards and kind of figure out what you like and what you don't without having to reinvest the mental energy to be like, do I have to respect this entire skill tree again? I ain't got mm-hmm. time for that. So do the cards, are the only abilities or are they passives like health or attack power? Oh yeah, they're they're a mix. So some of okay. them are active abilities that have to do with like specific combat moves and then some of them are passive. Like mm-hmm. I think one of my abilities was whenever I would inject myself with like a stim pack or whatever for health, it would give me this like little sonic blast that would push zombies back from me in combat, which was really That's fine. Handy when you get overwhelmed and you're dying and you're like, okay, I got to take a med pack. And then it gives you like this moment of like stun to get the zombies off of you. I was like, ooh, this card okay. is a good one. And then like, do you find better cards then as you play? Do you buff the cards or how does that work? So I didn't notice tiers of the same card, like mm. rarities. Yeah. I'm not saying that that isn't in the game, but it wasn't in the time that I played with the game. Okay. But from what I saw, mostly it was just single cards. And then you would just get what I would assume are just better buffs and better stats. Yeah. And some of the cards do have like negative abilities, meaning like you get a big buff in one area and then it's like a downgrade oh. in another area. And I hate it when cards do that. I'm like, just give me all the buffs. I don't want to think like, about it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to like take something away from me. I'm in a power fantasy where I'm, you know, smashing zombie heads. Like, why do you have to nerf my freaking stability in order to give me higher damage output. Like, what's that about? Just let me live the fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the weapon crafting is really the star of Dead Island as a franchise, and it's back in a big way with Dead Island 2. The weapon benches are back where you can bring your weapons and repair them and upgrade them, add all these different mods and the perk abilities. So we saw a lot of this in some of the pre-release footage that they put out showcasing flaming weapons and electrified weapons and weapons that are on fire and all kinds of different things that you can do. And that was really such a fun part of the previous Dead Island games that I really loved. And it's back and it's there's just so much variety and so many different ways to play. And the weapons feel really good. I had a shovel, for example, <laughs> like an actual like, you know, digging dirt out of the ground yeah. shovel that I really liked using because like you kind of had a little bit more reach, but it really packed a punch, even though it Ooh. swung a little slow. Because some of the faster paced weapons, like your blades, the zombies have to kind of get in really close to you. And I get a little scared, especially with the runners. No one likes a zombie that runs at you, right? Like, that's no fun. Um, and so when you have, like, a knife or something and they're, like, running at you, I, I prefer, like, the big swing yes. thing, which is different for me because normally in combat games, I like to be super agile and like to go with more faster-paced weapons that have lighter damage, your rogue classes and your whatnots, but... 
Not this game. No thanks, zombies. Stay back there. Thank you. Shovel sounds fun, and I bet when you actually hit them, it feels really visceral. I just imagine like that thwack. Yes, and that was a big thing that they really amped up this time around is the gore factor. So Dan Buster as a studio has done a lot of interviews talking about how they really leaned into the it's kind of like the B horror vibe, a different vibe than, you know, what you were talking about with Resident Evil and how the gore is just over the top, just like gratuitous blood and blood animation and smashing heads, literally punching holes through zombies with this flesh dismemberment system that they designed <laughs> for the game. And it's really fun, though, because that's oh, like yeah. why you play a game like Dead Island 2 is you want that kind of very visceral, satisfying crunch when you're smashing the head of this undead creature in. Oh, right? absolutely. Ooh, fun. Yeah. So it's super fun. Combat is great. In the beginning, it's going to take a little bit of trial and error and practice to kind of get your feeling for, you know, how you're going to play. But just like with any combat game, you know, once you learn all of the different tricks and the different combos, it really starts to shine. Like being able to use some of the specific card abilities that you have with the traits that your character has is really cool. Like, So Amy, as an amputee, has a false leg. And every time she would stomp, she would like, stomp down with her like I know that there's a, a, like a proper term for the the attachment that she has on her leg but I don't know what it is but like they had this really fun animation of her like smashing the zombies face in with it <laughs> and it just felt so empowering to be like yeah I'm a super fast Paralympian and I'm smashing zombies with my with my fake leg and it's just so satisfying to be able to do some of these cool combos once you build up like your parries and your blocks and kind of learning like what the best way to dodge certain zombies is. But let me tell you, it was harder than I thought it was going to be. Oh. Like, I died a lot more than I anticipated. I was like, ah, this will be easy. It's the opening hours. I can just run around willy nilly and smash. Oh, no. The game handed me my ass very quickly and was like, oh, did you think that you were just like like number one zombie killer like out the <laughs> gate? Now, was that because you tried to go into like hard areas or what you were playing? I don't think so. I Because it's not skill gated the way like an open world RPG mm-hmm. or an open world action adventure game might be because it is so much more instance and more linear from a storytelling perspective. There were a couple side quests that I started and then abandoned because it got overwhelming for me because I didn't have enough weapons with mods. Because obviously early on in the game, you're just scavenging. Like you have to go into garages and car trunks and grab all the shit to do crafting. But it takes time to unlock the good perks and things like that. And your weapons are still destructible, right? That's still a big part of the combat system Mm -hmm. is that your weapons degrade over time as you use them. And so you either have to repair them at workbenches or you toss them aside and craft a new one. Right. And so in the beginning, I was picking up anything and everything as a weapon. But what that meant is if you run into like a heavy or like a really big zombie out in the world, you could go through all of the weapons that are in your inventory and break (laughs) them all if they're not, you know, to the level that they need to be in order to do damage. Like There was this one zombie. I don't remember the exact name. This big, hulking, slow walking zombie who looked like a bouncer at a nightclub. Nice. And I saw him in the distance and there was like some of the slower shamblers in front of me and I was like, oh, I can take on that guy. I've got my newly modded hatchet here. I got this. And he starts walking slowly to me and I was like, wait a minute. I feel like this is a bad, maybe this is a bad decision (laughs) that I've made. 
because I started throwing because you can throw your weapons at zombies, which is really fun and satisfying. And Amy as a slayer has a perk for that as well. Like there's more, she does more damage when you throw weapons. And it did like the smallest ping off of his health bar. Just oh, like this, shit. this tiny little ping. And I was like, oh no, I've definitely, I'm not ready to fight this guy. And so no shame. I turned around and ran away. That's what you do. You were feeling froggy, but you knew when to leave. Good for you. Yeah. Sometimes you can get really overwhelmed in groups because there's a mix of walkers and shamblers and then the runners. The runners, oh, I hate them. They're so aggressive. And they just come screaming at you. They're like clawing at your face and I get so stressed out. I'm like, I don't like uh, it. You'll need to play with other zombie slayers then to watch yes. your six. Yeah, I did not. I played it all. I played it all solo. I didn't play any co-op or any multiplayer. So I can't speak to that at all. I just really, really loved that. It was what I wanted from Dead Island, that it was fun, visceral, crunchy combat, that the slayers all feel unique and have different perks, that the scavenging and the looting feels good, like going into places and finding treasure. And like you said, like you want to be rewarded when you're going into these weird corners of the levels and be like, I want to find something there. And I felt like I did find a lot of things. And I just can't get over how good the production design of this game is. There's a side quest in a streamer house that's clearly designed after some like either like some Twitch streamer or some TikTok streamer or whatnot or like an esports crew. Like it's clearly like taking a bunch of tropes from all of those genres because they have like these different sets set up. There's one there's like a fake beach set with cameras on it. And there's <laughs> one where they have a green screen and it's called I literally wrote this down because it was so funny. <laughs> it's called Lit or Shit. I was like, that's the name of their show. Is it lit or is it shit? And I was like, I feel like we should make that show and make, mean, make it a real thing. Let's do it. And they have things like neon signs with like woke up like this. And oh. the reason why I I bring this up is because these really cool little nods to current culture would not have been possible if this game hadn't been delayed seven fucking years or whatever, right? Like, yeah. And I think the team said, hey, let's take the opportunity because we pushed this game so far off from when we were originally talking about it to make it current, to make it modern, to make it feel like it belongs in culture where it stands today in 2023. And I think they really did that. And from what I've seen so far, they've really nailed it. There's like this whole main quest line where you have to fight a bridezilla that's also really amazing. Oh. And so far, the writing has just been really on point. And you know, like I mentioned in my tiny preview that I posted on social media, I am just in the opening five hours of the game. So could this turn and maybe, you know, fall off the end of the cliff or not land the plane or whatever at the end? Yeah, of course it could. But from what I've played so far, I just want to go back and play more and keep seeing more of these awesome like narrative moments and keep crunching zombies. I'm so happy to hear this. I was worried when you said you were previewing it. I was like, I mean, I was hopeful, but I mean, like, listen, we've we've been around the block. We've seen some shit. Usually when a game has a delay like this, it, it doesn't turn out favorable. So this is really exciting news. There's nothing quite like Dead Island. It has its own sense of humor. Like you said, I think the team is always so self-aware that we have these streaming setups or something like a Bridezilla. Like, I feel like that's one of the only teams that would come up with something like that, you know, and make it work and make it funny. I'm so excited. This is wonderful news. This is great. Yeah, me too, Brittany. Yeah. I walked away from this demo going, I just want to play more. I was like, please don't turn the demo off. Like, I just want to go back. <laughs> 
and play more of it. And, you know, I do want to call out that I had some technical hiccups while I was playing. And it's hard for me to accurately assess, is it a technical hiccup because of the preview build I was playing? Is it a technical hiccup because of the PC code that I was playing? I'm not sure. So I hope that some of those pre-release bugs are, you know, worked out by the time launch happens. Because that would be such a sad thing to happen to this game if it got plagued by technical problems and it didn't play and it played more broken than not broken, especially since it's not an open world sandbox. Those kinds of things are more difficult to overlook. It's, you know, a full price game that's coming out and it's got those kinds of egregious sure. bugs. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that that's not the case. And, you know, typically when we play these games in advance of release, you know, we see a lot of that worked out by launch day or with a launch day patch. But knowing how close we are to the game coming out, you know, who could say? Fingers crossed that it's... <laughs> You know, polished and great and lots of fun. And everyone has lots of fun. And hell Hey. But yeah, thanks again to Deep Silver for um, for sending me the code. And um, hopefully we'll get to play more and it will be lots of fun. What a fun show. So yeah, many zombies, zombies everybody. And, yeah, favorable previews and reviews. It's nice to be excited about things. I feel like the last couple of games I've been really mixed on. And after I walked away from my time with this game, I was just nothing but, like, excited about it. And it's been a while since I've been just excited about a game. And let's be clear. This is not going to be game of the year, especially not this year of all years of everything that's coming out later this year. This game is probably not going to get nines and tens. But I think this game is going to be really freaking fun to play. And it looks great. It's funny. And it's engaging. And that's what I want from a video game right now. Like, I don't need every game to reinvent the wheel like i don't think every game needs to be the most innovative thing that's ever been made it just needs to be fun amen and that's what i was saying about saints row it was a fun game y'all are just haters it's okay to have fun it's okay for games to be a little a little uh, uh. let's just leave it at that Uh, 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 uh. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for us for this week. We will be back next week with a very special episode. We are doing a panel of sorts, I guess we could call it, because we will be in Boston, so we won't be doing an episode as per normal, and we hope that you guys really enjoy it. So um, check it out next week. See you when we get back from Boston. Bye! Bye!